Hello, and welcome to Rocket's Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace and ExpressVPN. I'm Simone de Rochefort, supervising video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack, and Christina Warren, senior developer advocate at GitHub. It's your regular Rocket crew manning the spaceship here today. <laughs> for another exciting day of uh, news that is related to bad boys in tech. (laughs) It really is. They're bad boys. Can't there be like a good person in tech we could cover sometime? Okay, wait. Okay, so next week, let's let's do a fun segment, maybe like top or middle of the show where we'll, we'll, we'll spotlight a good person. <laughs> maybe maybe it'll be Elizabeth Holmes' <laughs> dead dog, Balto. We don't know. Um, sorry. Balto was a good dog. He was. He was a good boy. We Balto did nothing Absolutely. wrong. Absolutely, Balto has only ever done good. Um, no, today we'll be talking, of course, about... Elon Musk and uh, his uh, the the kerfuffle he's attempting to initiate with Apple. We will be talking about Sam Bankman Freed again because as we are recording, literally tonight, Wednesday, November thirtieth, he has had his first live interview uh, at DealBook Summit uh, with Andrew Ross Sorkin. So we will be covering that. And then Co- correction, talking- his first interview where he knew he was being interviewed, <laughs> not talking to a what reporter in his DMs. So let's just be accurate. You're so right. Uh, careless on my part. His first aware <laughs> live interview. And then we're going to be wrapping up the show with some fun talking about speedrunning because yes. Brianna has exciting news, but I we'll do. get there for you. Boosties are Rocket Booster subscribers who have gone to relay.fm slash membership and are getting an ad-free version of this show. You're getting a bonus segment where it's that time of year again. We're going to be talking about Spotify wrapped and Apple's attempts to compete with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So that's going to be our incredible, incredible bonus segment. Um, Our Boosties, of course, help support us in the most direct way possible, subscribing to the show, um, and they get bonus fun content for that, which sometimes is just like a sweet little extra topic, and sometimes it's like an extra 40-minute rant. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) It it varies is the thing, Um, and this week it's going to be fun. And, and, and a note on this, from now until December 17th, all annual memberships are 20% 20% off their first year. So uh, you can use the coupon code 2023HOLIDAYS at checkout. You can even buy a gift for someone. So if you wanted to buy someone a Boosty subscription for Christmas or Hanukkah, because honestly, I think we are the best gift worth giving. Yeah. You Thank can do that. You. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Thank also, you so much. Christina has a 30% tax on that. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <laughs> we actually each charge a 30% tax. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it, but it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It, it, all, it all comes out. No, no, no. Okay, let's get into our first topic of the day. Elon Musk has found a oh. new target to deflect attention from his mismanagement of Twitter. It's <laughs> Apple. Monday of this week, Elon slammed Apple for... Uh, checks notes advertising less <laughs> on Twitter and for charging this. The, it, you, you won't believe this. It's yeah. this incredible secret fee. It's thirty <laughs> percent. 
oh a thirty percent fee for purchases in the what? app store. What? No one is talking what? about this, and certainly not the district courts. Um, I've never heard of this before, Simone. Like this is brand new information <laughs> to me. A person that was born yesterday. Yeah, and wow. I'm sorry to break it to you like this. Now, one might say that uh, this fee and Apple's uh, control over the App Store was found to be not a problem in district courts as recently as last year, uh, although that decision did also decree that Apple must let app developers link out to payment portals that don't take that 30% App Store cut and to disclose to users that that is a possibility. Uh, Elon Musk is also leveraging his relationship with Republican lawmakers like Ron DeSantis to whip them into a frenzy over Apple, monopolies, censorship, treason, and Apple's relationship to China. Uh, if Apple has indeed pulled back on Twitter advertising, as Musk claims, uh, Apple, as of 8.16 p.m. on Wednesday, November 30th, has not commented on any of this, um, Apple is not alone. In, in doing so. As we previously discussed on this show, a huge range of, of large companies have essentially been told by their you know, ad- advertising partners to pause spending on Twitter during this period of flux. Um, Elon Musk also replied to a tweet from my colleague, Jake Kastronakis, at The Verge, saying that Apple had threatened to remove Twitter from the App Store. Uh, previously, Apple has taken hard stances on apps like Parler for not moderating content uh, and on Tumblr, causing Tumblr to crack down on pornography in order to comply with Apple's App Store policies and stay in the App Store, crucial for that platform. Um, Twitter, as it enters into what Elon Musk wants to be a, a period of free speech, uh, is you know, could potentially run afoul of of such of Apple's uh, attempts to curtail uh, certain content uh, from its app store. Uh, and as Musk continues to pivot Twitter away from advertising revenue and into a subscription model, that 30% fee that Apple charges for the app store is going to become more of an issue for the company. So it's no surprise that it has become a target for him. There's more to this story. A couple other CEOs jumping in, throwing their hats into the ring, making some comments. Uh, but I'll pause there for now with my summary to say, obviously, like this is <laughs> we've been talking about Twitter for three weeks now. And as foretold, oh we know that we'll be talking about Twitter for like six months while this all freaking shakes out. But I mean, this is a this is a new and different thing. This isn't just Elon Musk burning down his own platform. He is uh, casting his net far and wide. And I know we all have feelings about the App Store um, and you know, Apple's case with Epic, uh, which we've talked about extensively on this show. So I just want to pause there and open the floor to you two and what your reaction to this coming up in the news again was. I mean, I'm already really tired of talking about (laughs) Elon on the show, (laughs) which is unfortunate because we have to do it every single uh, week. Uh, So first of all, um, you know, don't send out a viral tweet while you're Pelotoning. That would be my top advice for you because I did one about this. Basically talking about a bunch of uh, Elon's uh, uh, misstatements on this, like trying to make it out like Twitter is going to pay um, 30% in the App Store. That's not true. Uh, from pressure from small developers, actually, uh, tw- uh, Apple has revised their fees and uh, changed it down. So uh, even if you're a giant multi-million dollar corporation and you're not part of uh, of Apple's small business plan, uh, after one year, uh, your participation in, uh, in subscription fees 
days, like Twitter Blue, would only be uh, 15%, which is much more reasonable. So, you know, it's just not, it's just not like accurate what he's mm-hmm. saying. It's a, it, it's a huge exaggeration for this. Yeah. Beyond that, if he did not, if he was not aware of these, uh, of like app store fees, it really strikes me as a, a gross, a uh, bit of uh, negligence. I mean, that is something you should know before overriding your trust and safety team who had a great uh, interview with Kara Swisher and, um, you know, like going in your own direction, right? That's mm. something you should know about. So the whole thing, it, it it seems like he just discovered this yesterday. He's tweeting through it and it's embarrassing. And Well, just stupid. like all of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, discovering the secret information. Yes, that you can see Steve Jobs himself announcing in 2008 in another video that went viral. Yes. Yes. No, I mean, I I feel kind of similarly. Look, I think that it is hilarious that he's just now catching on to something that someone who frankly, you know, um, was uh, a lot better at, at getting attention from this sort of thing amongst, you know, people who actually care like gamers already did this and failed, right? Like Tim Sweeney already did this and failed. So I I kind of don't like if if freaking Fortnite, if Epic Games is going to take on the App Store and lose, mm-hmm. um I have don't all the money in the world. I I don't give Elon uh much of a chance of succeeding. Having said that, I've been vocal as of many of us about having significant problems with the App Store rules and uh the monopoly that they put over things. There was uh, I can't remember if we talked about it on Rocket or not now, but there was a report in the Wall Street Journal a couple of weeks ago that Apple had been trying to basically force Facebook to give them a certain percentage of of revenue for everything, basically in exchange for not charging them mm-hmm. um, so, some like we're basically for basically it made it seem like the whole reason that ATT, which is the their like anti ad tracking system, was pushed was in part because Facebook would not pay them like a ransom of, of a certain percentage of, really? of, of all their profits. Yeah. I didn't see the story. Wow. And and so because what they've wanted and, and they've apparently, I guess, achieved this or whatnot, but they wanted and, and I think this is complete and utter. Sorry, you're going to bleep me. Yep. Smoke, but I think this is complete and utter is that they basically were like, if you buy um, advertising or if you do boosted posts or if you do anything within Facebook uh, on iOS, you should that should have to be an in-app purchase. No. And so Apple gets 30%. No, yeah. No, that's crap. Yeah. That, that is, is crap. <laughs> and they were trying to push that. Now, of course, that that obviously didn't work. Facebook told them thank you, but no thank you. And then Apple was like, oh, nice business you got there. Wouldn't it be a shame if we just nuked the whole thing? I'm sorry. Who reported that? Where did that come from? The Wall Street Journal. Wow. Um, the secret talks that could have prevented the Apple versus Facebook war. The two tech giants discussed revenue sharing arrangements, including a potential ad-free subscription version of Facebook. So they really wanted Facebook to make an ad-free subscription version where, of course, Apple would get a 30% cut. And uh, Facebook was like, <laughs> no, no, thank you. But then they were trying to basically get, you know, um, uh, fees for any sort of purchase you do inside Facebook. They've tried to do this on Twitter, too, as if this is a way that people actually, you know, which to me, I'm sorry, is nonsensical. Apple. And this is maybe one reason why Elon would be unaware of the app store policies is because when you buy, for instance, the the self-driving car uh, feature or, or, or full uh, assistant, whatever the, 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 the feature is called, um, in your Tesla, you're not paying that $1,500 or whatever it costs 
uh, to Apple, you are paying with your own credit card information inside the Tesla app because it is a physical service, the same way that if you buy something from Amazon or Walmart that is not a digital item, however that is defined, Apple does not get a cut of that because I think even look, Apple would love to get a cut of that. But I think even Apple understands that 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 is not an argument they could make. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But but to me, where it becomes really kind of despicable is when you start changing the definitions of what digital products are and and saying that that any sort of, you know, electronic transaction, even if it's not like even if you're saying to Apple, we don't want to use your payment processor, we will use our own. And you're being told no. And, And again, it's not as if applications cannot use their own payment processors the, the same way that Amazon and other things do. This is this is a, a you know, a, a, a dumb distinction. So um, I think it's one thing to say that if it is an add on for a game or an app or a feature that Apple is delivering, you know, um, that and, and, you know, that's going to be where it is. That's one thing. I think it's completely different if it's something that exists separately from from the app yeah. itself. Yeah, it sort of feels like like Apple having essentially won the case, but being asked to like, okay, but let people link out if they want to and don't charge that fee is is like, okay, but then is trying to go, but what if we then change the definition of of services and and, and could in fact keep making our money? Oh, because Apple of, wants to. And, and, yeah. and, and to be and, yeah. and, and, <laughs> They're like, okay, judge, sure we will, wink. Right. And and again, you know, this is this is all kind of, I think, despicable stuff. So I'm in this weird position where, look, I think Elon is is terrible yeah. and is is ruining my home. I'm also if the end result of this and I don't think it will be because, again, if Tim Sweeney couldn't be successful, I don't have any uh, hope in Elon. Uh, but but if somehow he were able to get some sort of reform, I'm kind of not mad at it. I'm kind of happy either way. Either Elon gets egg on his face or some really draconian policies mm-hmm. uh, get even more. Um, you know, people in um, Congress yelling about it, or I guess DeSantis, who's not in Congress, but, you know, you have more, uh, you know, I, politicians I screaming about it. I agree with that. And I feel like what has made this week so difficult with Elon kind of taking on Apple about this, it's like, look, small app developers have been yelling about these exact policies for, yep. my God, since like we started the show. And there's an... Oh, they've been for longer than that. It's, it's been almost 15 years at this point. Yeah. There's an adult discussion to be had in 2022 about what is my 15, my 30% paying for exactly? Is Apple helping you with advertising? Are they helping you with discoverability? Because like the thing that was novel back in the day, uh, you know, like payment processing and all that stuff under one roof is not particularly novel today. It's just a different era. And you think about like, uh, okay, so you're, you're buying into this entire ecosystem. That's great, but it's kind of like you got a duopoly at this point. So, you know, it's, it's hard because you've got, one terrible person that is advocating for something that's kind of fair against a company that is really taking too much money and being kind of exploitive of people that are not billionaires, unlike Elon Musk. So it's just, it's like this bad situation overall. Yeah, it's, it's that famous Onion meme, you know, the worst person you know made an excellent point. Exactly. And, 
but the thing is, so let's return to uh, a sort of hinge point of this, which we don't really have an answer to, but it's, is he actually surprised that Apple is charging a 30% fee? You, you've both kind of said, no. if he doesn't know, then he's a fool. And I also, I agree. I don't, I don't, I think he is tweeting for an audience. Absolutely. Yep. Yes. To, to attempt to make a point and stir up trouble and and chaos because that seems to be yes. what he does and to me like looking at his actions over the last year this very much feels like part of a pattern where it's like all right i'm gonna do something oh god i'm slipping on a million banana peels look twitter's full of bots do you guys right. know this oh my god all right i'm gonna buy twitter now <laughs> oh god i'm slipping on a bunch of banana peels and and removing content moderation and everyone's impersonating chef boyardee guys apple's charging 30 percent as a fee, did, did you guys know? And it just—it looks so clumsy and transparent at this point. I, I'm sure it's working on a certain portion of people. Evidently, Republican lawmakers who have a bone to pick with Apple is part of that demographic. We're like, yeah, we'll seize on this. That seems fine. But also, I, I do think that there are two separate issues here. And like the 30% fee in the App Store is, is definitely, I absolutely agree. Like that's been difficult for small developers to deal with for a very, very long time. The whole, uh, like, content moderation question, I I still do think, like, even though I am against what Apple has done to platforms like Tumblr, uh, I, I, I... I personally, I feel like they do have a right to, to dictate some kinds of content rules over what goes on in their app store. No, I, I totally agree with that. I will say, you know, there hasn't been any reporting and I haven't heard anything personally that there has been any real threats. Mm-hmm, uh, I mean, there have been mm-hmm. some rumors to, to Apple kicking Twitter out of the App Store. I do not believe that. I, don't uh, I, I, also, I think that, look, could Apple do it? Of course they could. Like they, they made Tumblr do what Tumblr did. But at the same time, when Tumblr did that, Tumblr was a shell of its former self. It was owned by Yahoo, who was trying to offload it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was no longer a top 10 app. You know, it, so... You know, look, of course, Apple could do it. I think that that would open them up to all kinds of stuff that they wouldn't want to get involved with. Could yeah. they? Sure. I don't think they would. Um, so but I, can you I know, say something sorry. about that really quickly? Yeah. So I have a different interpretation of this because we have one source on Apple's coming up and trying to, you know, like uh, ban from the App Store, and that's Elon on Twitter. I have a different uh, concern about this. We know that uh, Twitter is under the uh, consent decree with the FTC, and we also know that uh, Twitter is able to get around a lot of the things with uh, Europeans, uh, Europe's uh, privacy uh, regulations Mm. because of the one-stop shop uh, exception for that. We know that they fired the entire team, and something I haven't seen discussed by by anyone in media is um you know apple if they are supplying if they are like being the conduit for the app store to sell twitter and then twitter is getting really foul with uh european regulators to the tune of billions of dollars i think their exposure is not zero so mm-hmm. i think there are different concerns that yeah. apple is having with twitter that's not sure you know censorship yeah, no, and and I can see that. I I would be very surprised if Apple did not have very clear things cut out in their contracts that absolve them of any responsibility for anything like that. But but I but I hear your point. I I would be interested in in seeing if there was any reporting on that because that's an interesting theory. But I I also 
I, I, I kind of agree with Simone. I think that this is more of, look, he loves to be the center of attention and he loves that every tweet is a news story. He loves it, right? He mm-hmm. It's very Trumpian. He loves this. He loves the attention. And frankly, all of us, we're part of the problem too. We are all giving it to him. Yeah. Um, and uh, so- We have a news show, Elon. I know. Please well, take pity on us, Elon. <laughs> I mean, it's, but, 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 but we are also part of the problem, right? Like this, yeah. this intersection thing, we can't not talk about it. I, at, at a certain point, I'm hoping we can get to a place where we can actually just yeah. say, you know what, I don't care. We're not talking about it. But can we it, talk yeah. briefly about the other CEOs who have made comments? Oh, God. Recently. Yes. So uh, two, uh, Daniel Ek, uh, Spotify CEO, essentially agreed, uh, like piped up he did. after Elon <laughs> for his own reasons, after Elon made his comments being like, yeah, you're right, uh, called Apple's actions shameless bullying. Spotify's mm-hmm. uh, horse in this race is that Apple rejected uh, several of Spotify's updates when Spotify audiobooks. made audiobooks available on the service. Um, and then at tonight's Dealbook Summit, Mark Zuckerberg. Also, as you said, Shock. Christina, as you established, <laughs> Zuckerberg, Facebook, Meta had their own problems with uh, Apple changing its privacy policies so that it was much more difficult to track users across uh, devices. Uh, Zuckerberg called Apple's role and control over the App Store unsustainable and, quote-unquote, not a good place to be, Uh, essentially saying Apple is putting a target on itself by unilaterally deciding what apps can be on its own device. Um, Notably, like as I said, Facebook and digital advertising was hugely affected by Apple's Mm -hmm. policy change, um, which Zuckerberg said at the time would would kill digital advertising. so those are two of the people who have spoken up very recently saying like, you know what? Now that you bring it up, we also still hate this. <laughs> so I so that I mean, that's three pretty important people. But as you pointed out, Christina, Tim Sweeney also tried this um, and it so far hasn't really shifted majorly. No. No, the only thing that will fix this w- would be if there was some sort of antitrust action uh, yeah. around it. And, and that's that's been rumored for a long time. Maybe this pushes the needle, in which case no one should give Elon any credit because yeah. it is the culmination of events. Right. Nope. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, they've been but, trying this. Yeah. Because in and frankly, Spotify, the most recent thing is the, is the ebooks or not ebooks, the, the audiobooks thing. But they've been against them for years um, because of the 30 percent fee. Yep. And so, you know, and, and, and then the various rules that you could have, like, you know, could you could you have a link to sign up outside of the app store and this and that? So uh, no one who's I, I don't disagree in in theory with anything that any of them are saying. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that Apple obviously has the right to have content policies that they want. I also feel strongly that at this point there should be a developer mode where people are made aware of the risks and you can sideload applications that you choose on your device. I mean, yeah. I just I, at, at this point, I, I, I'm i just past the point where personally I'm, I'm past like the the argument um, because, frankly, we've seen the sort of crap that Apple does allow in the App Store and the sort of flaws <laughs> and and like the the actual like predatory stuff, the the malware that literally steals from you from some of the the financial institutions. There was that great piece in uh, Forbes um, from um, Suras uh, a, a, about that stuff. So frankly, at this point, I don't buy mm-hmm. the security argument at all, and uh, I think that it should be a mode. But I, uh, I also think that Apple should be allowed to set its own content policies for whatever reason it, it wants. Yeah, and I, I feel like the antitrust thing 
like when, when you look at what Apple did to Facebook and in in like damaging its ability to track users, obviously the intentions behind that are not altruistic. It's a business decision. However, I, I have a hard time imagining. I guess defending the idea that users now have control over whether Facebook can track right. their track what they're doing. And Facebook is saying, like, it's actually a problem that Apple is exerting this control. And it's like, well, in this case, like, it kind of gave that a little bit of that power to users. And sort of. I so in a, in a, yeah, sort no, of. Sort of. But it's but, yeah. No, and I, and I agree with you. I mean, I think that for me, the argument there is that it's just completely hypocritical because Apple still yeah. has its advertisements. <laughs> Apple still has its way of making money. Apple still has yeah. its finger on the button. And, you know, to to a point, it's like if if having that uh, data is such a problem that it needs to be regulated, that's one thing. But why? Yeah. Does, but but, what, but 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 why does and Apple, why does Apple have it? <laughs> no, not only that. Why does Apple get to be the arbitrator? Mm, yeah. If it's not I'll, regulated, why does yeah, Apple Bri, get do to make that more, decision? One more comment, Bree, before we move on. I just want to say I don't. I think there's a tendency to treat this as oh, it's more drama and all of all of that. You know, I don't think any of this is benign. If you look at the comments that are in Elon's remarks to any of this, it's, you know, it's like 4chan memes of, mm-hmm. oh, Tim Cook's going to take his uh, marching orders from China. It's a bunch of homophobic mm-hmm. garbage. And it's it's this, it's yet another thing to freaking divide us. It's another thing with the narcissist sitting down and exploiting these divisions that exist to to basically gin up his own personal power, right? This is not drama. It's not innocuous. We don't need conspiracy theories about Apple taking, you know, marching orders from from President Xi. You know, mm-hmm. we need smart interesting. We need the best people available making our tech policy in the United States. We do need pressure on Apple to make less consumer hostile decisions and to like take a lower piece of the pie. We need the same thing with Amazon, which is a billion times worse when it comes to this. Talk to an author sometime about the piece of the pie that Audible takes, um, which is just, I had no idea. Like I, 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 I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lot more sympathetic actually towards the Audible situation. I think that's a lot more complicated, but that's, that's beside the point. Uh, I, I that, mean, I'm sorry. There, there's, it's, it's not as cut and dry as those st- studies make it show at all because those studies don't take into account sales. They don't take into account other types of bundling and the money that oftentimes is taken by the publisher. A lot of this, I'm, I'm sorry to interject. I, I don't disagree. I'm not, I don't think that it's as bad because in many cases, the cut and the things that Audible are taking, the real people they need to be angry with are their publishers and because their publishers are the ones that are setting their terms. I, I hear you. I, I don't agree with that. Um, but the, the point is, Amazon as a conglomerate takes a really, really big piece of the pie to the point where, like, I don't know if you've read that book, Fulfilled, um, you know, there there are people that are just cogs in this machine trying to get it out. I want all of that looked at aggressively because the truth is it's really hard for individuals to make money in these systems because of how they are nickel and dined every single step of the way. PayPal fees, eBay fees, Amazon's fees, you know, Apple's app store fees. We do need a comprehensive discussion of all of that. And it's just not happening. Eli is the last person on earth to bring a mature, 
thoughtful policy discussion about what those <laughs> fees should be. This is a child throwing yeah. a Molotov cocktail uh, on it because he enjoys watching things burn, in my opinion. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything. Your products, services, even the content that you create. Squarespace has got you covered. With Squarespace, you can, for example, sell your products in an online store. Whether those products be physical or digital, Squarespace has the tools that you need to start selling online. You can also get blogging. Squarespace has powerful blogging tools to share stories, photos, videos, updates, etc. You'll be able to categorize, <laughs> share, and schedule your posts to make your content work for you. And you can stand out in any inbox with Squarespace email campaigns. Why not encourage your visitors to sign up? Think about this. They're reading your blog post. Maybe you tweeted it. You're reading your blog post. They're like, my gosh, this person, incredible stuff. Let me look at their store. And they purchase something from your store. And they're like, hmm, I'd like to know when this store restocks. I'm going to sign up for this Squarespace email campaign that you created by starting with an email template and customizing it by applying your brand ingredients like site colors and logo. Plus, built-in analytics measure the impact of every send. What a beautiful, seamless web of, of design and content creation that you have made with your Squarespace website. I really enjoy using Squarespace. I have had a lot of fun building, maintaining, updating websites, tweaking them, making them look perfect. Uh, and along the way, I have had no problems, which is, I mean, for a person who only just built a PC for the first mm. time, I don't know why I'm comparing building a website to building a PC, <laughs> but building a website was much easier. <laughs> and I enjoyed it a lot. Very fun, visually pleasing too. Head to Squarespace dot com slash rocket for a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code rocket to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. That's squarespace.com slash rocket. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code rocket to get 10% off your first purchase to show your support for rocket. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Da -da -da -da. Squarespace doesn't take 30% off everything you sell on that site. No, they don't. No, they sure don't. They would not. I, I would like to, before we move into our next topic, just briefly mention that if you are interested in audiobooks, they're available for free through your local library <gasps> by apps like Overdrive, Libby, or Hoopla. And that's a that's a fun thing that you can do to support that's your local library. Thing. Use it. Oh goodness, Andrew Ross oh Sorkin. Oh gosh. Tonight interviewed Sam Bankman Freed in the latter's first, as Bree pointed out, knowing live interview, first video interview since FTX fell apart. Uh, today's Deal Book Summit. Um, it was a, a long extensive interview, extensive in the number of ways that Sam Bankman-Fried said that he's very sorry and that he didn't understand anything hmm. that was going on at his company. Uh, as we discussed ever very briefly in our chat <laughs> right before recording, uh, we don't know why he was allowed to do this. 
His lawyers told him not to. He even admitted he was asked, do your lawyers want you doing this? He said, no, they prefer I didn't. In fact, the advice is always that you shouldn't speak. But I just I just felt like I have to be me. Oh. Yeah. And we, we can't fault him for his logic because we make a podcast. <laughs> we, are, we are benefiting from this. We are. Thank, thank, thank you very much for continuing to not shut up Sam Bankman-Fried. Yeah, thank Really, you. really love. You know, it's interesting. We have a CEO who's literally tweeting through it and um, who, who owns Twitter. And then we have another CEO who he's not really tweeting through it. He keeps deleting his tweets, but he, he sure as hell is talkative. He's trying to talk his way through it. And uh, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So before, before we do analysis, um, I just want to, like, my entire impression of watching him do this, it was exactly like both of yours. I was just like, why the hell is he doing this? Why is he here? Like, if I were, I'm not even a lawyer, and I'm listening to the stuff he's saying, saying, oh, that'll be used in a lawsuit. That's going to mm-hmm. be in a lawsuit. That's going to be in a lawsuit. I mean, just the number of quotes he said that seemed ill-advised, uh, not zero, not zero. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's like, you know, it really felt like he's someone who, uh, you know, Kara Swisher had this really great uh, piece back in the day about Mark Zuckerberg, um, talking about the expensive education of Mark Zuckerberg as he's like leading this company and hurting our democracy and we're just mm-hmm. kind of all paying the price as he bumbles through it. And, you know, Sam Bankman-Fried really strikes me as very similar. You know, he's he's up there and look, he radiates like charming you know, uh, uh, dude energy that's like kind of idealistic. It's I mean, puppy all, doggy, right? A hundred percent. We all know tons of these dudes that work in tech. They mean well, they're idealistic. They love to talk about these fantasies of what they're going to build and what the world is going to look like. They're just, it's, it's, it's just how they're neurologically wired. The difference is he has lost tens and tens and tens of billions of dollars and like destroyed people's life savings. Mm-hmm. And he's still up there with this, you know, this this puppy dog look to it. And it's just I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry I messed up. Yeah, I was and, just running a billion dollar company. I didn't realize what I was doing. Oh, I should have been more attentive. Some of the questions they were asking him, oh my God, this interviewer. 10 out of 10, one of the best, hardest He's, interviews. I love him so much. Just uh, amazing. Could not He's agree a great guy. more. Yeah. Ultra, ultra knowledgeable on everything. Like the the bits they're going to pick apart this for yeah. YouTube tomorrow. Like, hey, it sure seems like a lot of people uh, there are talking about the drugs you're doing. Is it true that you were on uh, patches of drugs to alter your SSRIs in your body? I mean, just stuff like that. Um, uh, you know, have, uh, why were your parents getting this house? You know, just just really, really hard hitting questions as far and also like factual hard-hitting thoughts uh, that really belied a really deep understanding of the financials of this whole mess. So um, it, it was, I don't think it was quite a train wreck. I think some people are going to watch this, especially if they are um, persuaded to see themselves in another likable white puppy dog guy. Um, I, I, I could see them kind of letting him off the hook, but just just a disaster for lawsuits, in my opinion. Oh, Yeah, yeah. To, to your point, Bree, uh, one of the very first questions that Sorkin yeah. asks him, uh, well, not a question, he he reads him a letter from somebody who lost his life savings to FTX and basically reads this letter about a guy going, I love you that literally movie. stole my money. You stole mm-hmm. my funds. 
And Sorkin asks him, so what do you what do you say to somebody who who says that? Um, And his answer is, again, like it's it's all it's all completely avoiding responsibility, which fair because I sure wouldn't take any if, if I were in the position that he is in where he's about to be in court. I would also not take responsibility for what I'd done if I wanted to get away with it. That being said, absolutely. Um, you know, he says things like, I wasn't trying to commingle funds. Yep. Um, I didn't know that these things were happening. Um, and but yeah, his his answer to that question, I I I appreciated that being asked right off the bat. It it set a tone of like, we're not going to go easy here we're going to go in depth and oh, i know yeah. sorkin was criticized for like quote-unquote even doing it. yeah which no, I, I disagree to. with in this case <laughs> oh i disagree but, with it yeah. totally because okay, here's the here's the deal i think that you can criticize some of the new york times's reporting i will say this there's been so much i think over discussion about how like the new york times or these outlets have been soft on on sbf which is not true there was one relatively soft article that came out after the scandal but a lot of their other coverage has been hard-hitting but Andrew Ross Sorkin first of all has never written to my knowledge anything pro SBF you know he that's not typically what he does and he also hosts a show on on CNBC and uh the dealbook conference is, was created around him uh because dealbook is his column at, at the times but they had this guy invited you could at the time it doesn't seem like a incorrect person to have at your conference and it's not yeah. it, it's not demonstrably different from that time that Elizabeth Holmes was supposed to be at the the Wall Street Journal's digital conference. And um, then the Wall Street Journal reported on her and she still showed up and, mm-hmm. and did the interview and, and was not able to really effectively answer questions, nor was he. But when this sort of thing happens, if this guy is going to agree to be there, you you interview him and anyone who thought that that Andrew Ross Sorkin was not going to ask every single hard-hitting question he could has never followed his work, right? Because his his legacy is to himself. He's not looking to prop up, you know, somebody like this. So, uh, sorry, that was just an aside. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, did you have a favorite, I guess, moment or or point of the interview? God, I mean, all the times that he said, it, it's my fault or or I take responsibility or whatever was interesting, but it was also interesting how he seemed... I think my favorite part was that he was still trying to carry on the grift, right? Mm. He's still trying to, trying to carry on like, oh, well, but we had too many uh, too many boards. We had too much regulation. Oh. That wasn't a problem. I'm looking through a coin desk. We're going to have this linked in the show notes. Did God's work by having a transcript of the interview. Wonderful. So, so <laughs> love that for them because as, as of this writing, the whole thing is not online. I found a stream of it where, you know, a guy interjected occasionally. I watched it live. I'm sure it'll be up on YouTube or whatnot, but also I'm sure the New York, equally sure the New York Times is going to try to, you know, content this out as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the, uh, yeah, his, his continuing to like basically pretend to carry on the grift, like he, he brought up Bitfinex and said, well, you know, stranger things have happened. Other crypto companies have come out of this. Not even remotely comparable. Bit, Bitfinex <sighs> was hacked. They were able to get the coins back. That is very different than what you did, which was make bets using money that was not yours because your funds were commingled and, um, you know, you lost the money. That's a completely different situation. Oh, but I do have my favorite part. My favorite part was the la- was the second to the last question that uh, Andrew Ross Sorkin asked him. He said, have you lied 
at any time here. And he was like, I don't think so. Not to my knowledge, not intentionally. Oh. <laughs> that was my favorite. I, I was like, you absolute liar because that's good. Already, I, I'd already caught him in a couple of lies, at least based on what other people have said during his conversation. So that to me was like my favorite. I was like, wow, you, you couldn't even answer the lying question. You know, like I, I think it was when Andrew Ross Sorkin asked him, like, uh, he's like, don't you think this seems like uh, your company culture seems like a bunch of kids uh, having a sleepover? Yeah, yes, Why do yeah. you have any corporate oversight? And I'm like, damn. And they, of course, doesn't answer the question or he just answers it with this BS. So. No, yes. Yeah. So this was the line. That's why everyone trusted so much, supposedly. But it seems like when you read the stories, it sounds like a bunch of kids who are on Adderall having a sleepover party. Oh God. That's brilliant. I love you, Andrew Ross Sorkin. And then his response, which did not answer the question, was, I mean, like, look, I screwed up. I was CEO. I was the CEO of FTX. And I mean, I say this again and again. And that means that I had a responsibility that means that I was responsible ultimately for doing mm. the right things. And I mean, you didn't. <laughs> like, we messed up big. Buddy, uh, come on, get it together. <laughs> Be an adult. <laughs> It, right. And, and in this case, being an adult would be not doing an interview like this, would be shutting up. It, exactly. Yeah. I, I think that that is a very interesting aspect of it to me, um, aside from like all of the what, whatever he was able to say about the con the company. Very interesting. But this like very and I think that this modern impulse to speak and defend oneself at every mm -hmm. turn, lest you be misunderstood or less you disappoint yes. people it to me it, it smacks of like exactly the reaction that that people have when something goes wrong to like tweet through it or to make mm -hmm. an apology video immediately um which we see over and over again like when influencers screw up now yep. we're seeing the ceo of a huge huge company have that same reaction of like okay if i just can explain my side of it and it will maybe never work. people will understand. And yeah, it's like it doesn't work that way. And sometimes taking a moment is the best thing. And sometimes listening to your lawyers yes. is the best thing. So maybe I'm just really cynical, like watching this last week, especially with Elon Musk. But it really feels that like when when uh, when when rich white dudes get caught, they circle the wagons. I mean, even today, uh, like right before we went to air, uh, Netflix, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Hastings came out and said, "Yeah, I really think Elon Musk is a good person trying to save the oh, world." God, like it, so it feels like all of them just circle the wagons and well, come yeah. for each other. Well, so, well, well yeah. yeah, but but I mean, in that case, it's because people don't want to piss off people who have power, right? People who yeah. are people with power and people with money are sycophantic, in my opinion, to other people with power and money. And I, I myself have been guilty of this. I'm not I, I'm not saying that this is a truism for every mm -hmm. person, but I think this is generally true. I think this is especially evident with very rich people where most of the big billionaires are not wanting to publicly condemn Elon Musk because they have in the back of their mind, okay, but what if he's successful? Mm -hmm. What if something does happen? Then I've burned this bridge, right? And then I, similarly, I, I with, want the proximity to power. Yeah, yeah sorry, with the uh, sorry, no, I totally interrupted you. But it's similar to the Zuckerberg situation, also, where it's like, it, yes, even if you know you you don't want to burn the bridge to Musk, but then also there might be an angle that you had an already vested interest yes. in, and you see an opportunity 100%. to kind of defend your bottom line and make a move in your personal money game, even if the relationship with Musk doesn't matter to you at all. 
Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, it's it, it is to your point, Brie. It is really um, myopic and frustrating and maybe, silly. Yeah. But yes, <laughs> maybe maybe I'm being too cynical here. But I think the thing that this has in common to me is it's it's and forgive me for saying this, but it's like this white male identity that's behind it. I, I think if you really want to draw a broad circle. Something is similar between Trump and Elon and Sam Bankman-Fried here is, you know, these are all people that, you know, they just want to get out there and they all want to be loved and they all really are really, really sure that they're doing the right thing and they've all kind of convinced themselves that everyone else out in the public has gotten it wrong. And a lot of the people like circling the wagons for them, a little less true of Sam Bankman-Fried because he pissed off the cryptocurrency community, which is a bunch of white dudes. But well, I was, like I was going yeah, to say, right. Sam Bankman-Fried is right now actually sure. a complete target of the right, right? Sure. I mean, he's, he's being held up as, as something which is not even accurate. Sure, but I'm talking I, about the psychology. No, no uh, I, I guess yeah. so. I have a problem, I think, distilling it down to like a white male problem. I think, you know, I think it's 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 a power problem. Um, the people in power tend to be white men, but I but I think it's a power problem. I think that people who tend to be successful, regardless of their gender identity, regardless of their race, tend to act a certain way and and tend to be out for themselves and tend to, frankly, be able to be successful because they're to a certain degree sociopathic, because that's what yeah. you have to be sometimes to be very successful. So I, I, I don't, I don't personally ascribe to it being a white male thing because we've seen the same thing with white women. We've seen the same thing with, um, you know, um, East Asian men we've seen like it, it's, I, I don't, I personally don't think that it's a white male thing. I just think that because that is the majority of people who are in power, we see it through them the most, but I, I think it's a power thing. Class solidarity cannot be underestimated. Um, so going back to, I guess, some of the content of his interview, I don't know, bizarre things that he's saying. He's like in response to that letter that was read to him. He says, well, actually, I, I think as far as I know, I don't have access to the data, but the U.S. funds are solvent. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that was that Come was on. the bizarre, bizarre to me. I mean, look, if that were the case, that would be interesting because then I wonder. Well, no, the reason that would be interesting is then I because I genuinely wonder at that point, what would the U.S. case, what would the DOJ or the SEC case be in that case? Like, yeah. I, 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 and I, I don't know enough about the law and I don't know enough about, um, you know, finance law specifically to know if uh, you've defrauded other people, if, if uh, the SEC has any jurisdiction there. I tend to think not, but I don't know. Um, uh, certainly, you could still be the FBI and, and other things could be involved because you are pulling off various scams. But but I do wonder. Right. But, yeah, that mm-hmm. was insane to me. Where he's like, I think that's still solvent. Like, I, and I, and honestly, that pisses me off. Like, j- that and also the Bitfinex comment, like, trying to give people who have lost everything hope. No, honestly, yeah. at this point, just, just have the band aid ripped off, right? I don't think that's helpful to people who have lost their life savings to feel that there is any ounce of redemption. I think that's actually really negative. I think that those people need to come to terms with the fact that it's gone and move yeah. on and find a path forward, as difficult as it might be, not holding out for some miracle that is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think it's worse than that. I think it's, uh, do you remember when Elizabeth Holmes got caught and, um, you know, like when, right after the Wall Street Journal story broke and uh, Theranos was going down the the tube, she reached out to all of her investors with that letter we covered and she's yeah. like, look, I have a really tough ask. I need some more money. Um, that's the way 
I read a lot of the subtext of his interview tonight because like one of the questions was, what do you see yourself doing from here? And he's like, well, I want to do whatever I think will be helpful and provide the most value for investors. Well, I think if this institution and this institution comes together, they could make some of these uh, employees whole. I think there is a future here for that. And it just, it clearly to me, it, w- it was exactly like that Elizabeth Holmes yes. thing. It's keeping the scheme going, trying to get more money, totally. trying to keep your own power. So yeah, I, I agree. And unfortunately, there is so much precedent of people who've lost ridiculous amounts of money being given ridiculous amounts of money in the future. Uh, in this case, you know, I would hope that that he would oh, never. We crashed. Be- mm, excuse me. Excuse I mean, me. I mean, sure. Uh, but but there but there have been cases where there was actual fraud involved. Uh, and and look for all the things that we can say about Adam Newman, nothing there struck me as fraudulent. Um, and and nothing there. You know, like I think that that was, if there was anything like that was poor due diligence on you know behalf of the investors who have continued to invest in him, which is also I think probably dumb. But Some yeah, cost there's fallacy. <laughs> But but there have been many instances of people going to jail even for things and then getting out of jail and continuing to have people give them money. And uh, I certainly hope that in this case, you know, that doesn't happen. But um, I don't know. I the My one, I guess, feeling of optimism in that is that I don't know how anybody could have watched this interview and thought that he either came across well or that it was a good idea for him to give it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, any final thoughts on this before we... Move on. Listen to your lawyers. It's just always good <laughs> advice. Yeah, just I love that. listen to them. Paying them as much as this guy probably is. Um, his parents. Let's be honest. Oh, his parents are. Oh, oh, oh. Good point. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Watching Netflix without using ExpressVPN is like playing your favorite game and not using all the power ups. Why limit yourself when there's so much more fun to be had? (laughs) Netflix has thousands of shows across different countries, but without a VPN, you can only get access to a limited selection based on your location. With ExpressVPN, you can unblock those shows by amending where it thinks you're located, and it works on other streaming services too. Very exciting. Uh, That means... For example, uh, if you are on, say, uh, you can watch uh, The Office US on Canadian Netflix. You can watch Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is on Turkish Netflix. That seems unfair. Uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is on UK Netflix. And hey, this is kind of relevant. You can watch The Wolf of Wall Street on Australian Netflix. See, that's very relevant. (laughs) See, yeah, we we have to educate ourselves, especially in this day of... uh, short selling and uh, financial scams. So a VPN maybe can in fact help you help educate (laughs) yourself Uh, with just one click. You open the app, one click, choose the country you want Netflix to think you're in. Refresh. Boom. You have so many options. There are a lot of reasons to choose ExpressVPN. For one, it has blazing fast speeds. You can stream in HD with zero buffering. It is compatible with all of your devices, phones, laptops, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. Plus, they have servers in 94 different countries, so you can gain access to thousands, thousands of new shows. And it works with other streaming services like, and this is so important, BBC iPlayer. YouTube, and many more. Um, 
BBC iPlayer is like my white whale. I want her. I want her badly. <laughs> you can stop paying full price for streaming services and only getting access to a fraction of their content. Get your money's worth at expressvpn.com slash rocket. Don't forget to use the link at expressvpn.com slash rocket to get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, it's time for our dessert. After all of that hard-hitting financial talk, Brianna mm-hmm. Wu, tell us your news. I am so, so I really appreciated both of y'all cheering me on last week because uh, I was talking about how one of my lifelong dreams was to get into GDQ. Um, if listeners don't know what GDQ is, um, it's called Games Done Quick, and it is the Super Bowl of speedrunners, of speedrunning. It's a huge event, massive, massive viewers, um, and, um, you know, it's, it's basically a big charity uh, a marathon that goes on, and, like, people bring on and do their, their cuphead run, right? The Mexican runner has a legendary cuphead run, or there's a blindfolded punch-out, all of that. <laughs> So as I was getting ready to submit this, I've been trying my damnedest to take back the uh, Super Mario 2 Princess Peach World record from a bastard named Ronald, (laughs) who's my peach arch nemesis. I've been trying so hard to defeat him. And I got to tell you, the whole Thanksgiving weekend, I am like I'm spending five hours cooking and then boom, it's back to the grind and I'm, I'm doing it and I'm doing it and I'm tired and I'm streaming. And like just the night before, it was all down to submitting it. And I'm like, I go, I'm going to just do one more run and then I'm just going to submit what I have. Second best is going to have to be good enough. And I lowered my time on that run by 45 seconds. Oh my so God. Everything How? came That's together. Huge. I, I got my ward execution. Amazing. I did all the tricks. I did the, um, I did the rug zip in seven, two. I got a uh, fast birdo on seven, two. Um, my, I got the fast work kill for three of the vegetables out of six that you need. And I retook that world record. So my chances, were, were, yes. uh, were, were you taking any, um, any drugs, any, no. you know, like, uh, no. can, 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 can we drug test you and make sure that you weren't yes. taking any substances that, that would have that. allowed you to move at superhuman speed? You because can absolutely I'm, do that. Okay. Yes. I was going to say, because this seems like some uh, Lance Armstrong stuff. Sorry, I, go ahead. I gave you eight hours of sleep that night. So I think that's what did it, actually. That will change your biology. It, yeah. it really does. It's good for speed running. But um, the, so it's going to be three more weeks until I'm going to know for sure. But I think that I have a really, really good shot of being in GDQ this year, which is a lifelong dream. So I am, I am, and I really appreciate both of you uh, cheering me on. Um, on on other news, now that I've got the Princess Peach World speed record back, I need a break from something <gasps> since I'm speed running. Uh, you know, like I've run this game so much, so. Um, Christina, have you ever played through the original Resident Evil on PlayStation? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, that was the one with the Rottweilers, right? Yes. At the very okay, beginning yeah. of it. Yeah, the very beginning. Yeah. And I remember playing that at like two o'clock in the morning when it was raining and like screaming and like getting in trouble. 
yeah, that that's yes. I mean, it's a classic for a reason. It's a total classic. It's a really Absolutely. really good game. So, uh, Simone, you may not be RE2 able to, is better, but it's a great game. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 like, you know. Uh, it, it was so breakthrough at the time that yes. even though many of the subsequent games are better, this one was just so revolutionary uh, with the formula. Yes. Like, Simone, you may take this for granted, but you've got to understand this is 1996. And mm-hmm. I mean, the Super Nintendo was still out in 1996. We didn't have the N64 by then. So, well, it came out at the end of '96, but yeah, right. Um, I, 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 I always associated. I think I played it in '97, but yeah, it, it came out basically with the N64 came out. But like the PlayStation wasn't even the PlayStation that we know it to be now. Like it was getting traction, but it wasn't like everyone had one yet. Yeah, it, it, was, it was games like Twisted Metal, you know, Battle Arena, Tishin, yep. Ridge Racer is great, but Resident Evil. If you love story-based games today, like it's, you know it's, God it's of the War, reason. yeah, it, it it totally broke through. And you look at the the cutscenes today, like oh, there is serum, oh Enrico, <laughs> like all that stuff. You've got to understand this was revolutionary back in the day. So I have decided my next target is going to be extremely ambitious. It is going to be Resident Evil on real, authentic uh, PlayStation 1 okay. hardware. No, which version? Which version? Director's Cut, Director's Cut, uh, DualShock, you know the chef. OG, which you know one? I do. <laughs> that is a very... Uh, again, this is... This is this is again. This was like peak gaming era for me. So, 100%. so yeah. So just for listeners, let me tell everyone why that's an important question. Yeah, the yes. original one that came out, which is great, um, but it doesn't have auto aim, which is very important for speedruns. Resident Evil Director's Cut uh, comes with two versions of the game. You've got the original one with um, auto aim enabled. So if you hold the uh, the R one trigger, it will auto aim at whatever enemy is nearest. Um, it comes with the arrange mode. Then you have the third version of it, which has the DualShock controller, which is great, but it also has the worst music by far. There's actually a huge scandal oh, no. in Japan of this guy that pretended to be deaf and oh, no. scored the video game and uh, got in this huge scandal. And he's like known as this legendary like sound designer in Japan, even though his work isn't that good because he just went deaf. And it turned out years later that he he was faking it the whole time. <laughs> so insta- <laughs> it's, it's an amazing story. So instead of Jill like playing Moonlight Sonata, the, the sound is literally like, I mean, it's so bad. It is painful. Um, so of those three versions, you've got to pick your poison. I'm picking the one in the middle because I cannot run this game over and over and over and over and over mm. and over again. Right. And, and listen, have to listen to that music. Yeah. I, I can't do it. Um, additionally, this is where it gets really crazy. So the only way I'm going to be able to be competitive running Resident Evil 1 on original PlayStation hardware is I had to spend mm-hmm. $200 to buy a very specific version of the Japanese PS2, the 9000 <laughs> series. Oh. oh my God. And bring it right. here because it's got Because that was backwards. Because that was. Yes. 
Oh, fast loading. Gotcha. I was going to say, and and you need the backward compatibility. Yes. Of the of the first, you know, uh, a few PS2 revisions. I think the final PS2 revision dropped that, but you need the backward compatibility and yes. you need fast loading. That oh, that's a great point because if you used a regular uh, PSX, even if you used the one I had, which had uh, the the parallel port in the back, which meant yep. that you could mod it with a mod shift, which was the greatest thing ever yep. uh, for for kids who don't remember those days. The PlayStation used regular <laughs> CD ROMs. And a mod shit meant that you could burn CDs yep. using your CD burner that you used back in the day to copy all your friends' CDs, and you could copy yep. video games. And it was freaking awesome. Yep. But uh, but the PS2, okay, so it has fast loading. It has fast okay, loading because so much of the Resident Evil run is waiting for the doors to open and close. So, you know, if the text I have a question is fast, for you. Yes. I have a question for you. Is there any reason why you're not playing the Windows version? So I thought about that. To me, the the magic of these games is playing it on original hardware, right? I can't I can't put my finger sure, on. Sure, I, I guess yeah. I guess I was I guess I was just thinking since like a Windows version came out, I think in ninety seven. Yeah, so that still that's, was. That's the speed running. That's what most people speed run it on because it's it's essentially free, right? And most right. people are going to play it free online rather than be an idiot like me and spend two hundred dollars on. <laughs> or, but, but also, too. but also, then you could you could literally load the entire thing into memory, yep. and you could you you could you know not have to worry about having to read off of you know the 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 two X drive. Yeah, um, that's that why way. those categories are actually set up differently because a um, a uh, a PC version run of Resident Evil can be like forty minutes, whereas even on the fast loading PS2, the world record is one hundred and ten minutes. So, um, it, it's y'all. It's a really really hard run. This may be beyond my capabilities. Um, I'm like testing running through it now with the infinite rocket launcher just to memorize all the steps because there are 86 things you have to do in order with those tank controls running perfectly. <laughs> so, yeah. How long do you think your your new project is going to take you until you Years. feel like you've gotten uh, even just not 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 a record, but just like a complete run? When well, I've done that already. Um, gotcha. it, I've gotten down to a, an hour and thirty minutes, which is a good time for that. I'm just never going to be competitive until I get that equipment, which will just subtract twenty minutes automatically. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, it's 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 a really fun run, and I just want to thank like Rocket listeners who've been showing up for to my Twitch stream to watch. That's me play. awesome. Y'all are y'all yeah. are freaking great. Can I ask? Uh, where, yeah. what, can I put anything in the show notes that people could? Like go to watch yeah, you do this. Yeah, just uh, go to Twitch, uh, Twitch.tv. Oh yeah, Brianna Wu. <laughs> that's my. Nice. That's my Twitch, and it's it's honestly just hanging out and talking about games and the mechanics of speed running. So that's awesome. Yeah. And are you using your Trinitron? I'm assuming I sure uh, am. for this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because because that was one of my things too. Obviously, you could use uh, uh, an LCD screen with this, but for this game especially, because of how the polygons worked back then. Um, that that would strike me as being a because I'm not the reason I say this is because Resident Evil Director's Edition is included on the terrible uh, PSX um, <sighs> mini that came out and I I played it and it was sort of painful a little bit I was like this really this really did need a CRT yeah <laughs> so well it's got the input yeah. lag too it, yeah, it's bad yeah. top and bottom I would I, at some point I would love to get some help from you Christina I have a problem that my PVM. 
like when I'm not streaming and like doing it in a monitor earphone, my PVM speaker is this little tiny one inch thing built into the bottom of the PVM uh, for sound. And it's absolutely terrible. I need to find some sound bar that I can put on top of my PVM right. that will so, work. But, 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 but now, does that one have optical? Oh, we can take this offline. But if that sure. has an op, if that has optical in it, oh, God, which, like, no. I th- no. which I was going to say, I think it predates <laughs> no. that. Well, no, I was going to say because I think it's from the eighties, probably predates it. But that's the thing because in the nineties, you you did have some. Yeah. So I was asking. No, but this yeah. is RCA and uh, S video and S video. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so you component video. All right, so or RCA and S video. So. All right, I will be on the lookout for something, some sort of sound system for you um, or some sort of uh, receiver that we could find. <laughs> I was thinking about a Sonos speaker, yeah. Yeah, well, what you would need to do is you would need a Sonos that you've then got connected to um, like a receiver that that can act as the conduit between the two. Yeah. All right, well, Brianna, thank you so much for sharing yes, your, your future. Yes, off, yes. No, this is good. <laughs> it's not often we get to talk about like specific, like the tech techy cool it's stuff it's fun talking about doing. tech and not not like horrible people. horrible news yes. our this week's highlight of a good person in tech is brianna <laughs> Wu, who ha- is has hopefully regained the princess peach world record uh christina what are you up to this week okay well first good news brie i'm pretty sure that that japanese uh playstation 2 has an optical output which means that you <gasps> could use that that's that that that's, that's what we do Okay. 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 So, th- so that's what we do. A- and the reason I thought that it would is because that has a DVD player built in. So anyway, so sorry for that digression, but I think that's your option. You're going to use your PS2 as your audio unit rather than the the monitor. Um, but what I'm doing this week, I'm flying home. Finally, I had some delays getting there, but I'm flying home and uh, just kind of doing my thing. Uh, I've had a nice uh, little mini kind of break and just getting back into the world of uh, of work and everything else. Hopefully the Hopefully the snow that's been sort of happening in Seattle, hopefully it won't be um, too bad oh. because, because we're a city that doesn't handle snow well. And uh, yeah, because it's, it's, it's pretty cold in Seattle right now. I think that it's uh, like like 31 degrees there right now or something. It's miserable Jeez. in Boston. It's rainy. It's freezing. It's I've been trapped inside all day. It is just terrible here. It's worse where both of you are or will be, are and will be, than it is here in New York, which is sad. Oh, yeah. Uh, Brianna, what are you up to this week? Oh, um, well, I guess I'm working on Resident Evil Speedrun. We've obviously Hell got yeah. the Georgia uh, races coming up. Uh, a lot of uh, very high stakes there. So that's what's up with me. All right. Uh, f- listeners might remember a couple weeks ago, I did a live stream where I built Yay! a PC Yay! with my colleague. So Thanks. I watched it after the fact. I couldn't watch it when you did it, but I watched it after the fact. It was so fun. It was was really fun. Uh, And then tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash polygon, we're going to be using the dang thing. So part two of our stream, uh, we set up this whole racing rig, and I'm going to be playing F122 tomorrow. Ah! Oh, no. Oh, that's awesome. Unbelievably bad at it, but it is so fun. Um, I was like practicing in the office earlier this week. The whole rig, it's so fun to use. Like using a wheel and pedals makes an unbelievable dis- difference. And it has the wheel that we have has the manual shifters, obviously. Mm-hmm. So like the the clicky paddles, yeah, uh, which is a beautiful, like for me, sound experience. I yeah. hope it'll be good for the viewers as well. Oh, that's awesome. So what Grant has spent the l- most of the year doing is building out his own 
uh, racing sim. Really? In the living room. Heck yeah. 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 He has like a real car seat that he's used and he has the pedals and the wheel and all kinds of feedback things and other stuff. And the 55 inch TV, I think Jeez. actually might even bigger. Yeah, it's it's dumb, but he really Oh my God. It. We have this bonkers curved monitor. I think it's a 42 inch oh, curved that's, that's monitor. Perfect. See, that's and I told yeah. him that's what he should use. But does he ever listen to me? No, he doesn't. No. Anyway. Yeah. Um, what I find so frustrating about those is I literally have one of the cars I love to race in a set of Corsa in my garage. And so Porsche came in uh, a GTS, a 718 version of it. And it's my own car. And I know how to drive my own car. I've tracked my own car. And I get it in that game. And I get the racing wheels. And just for whatever reason, it's. I think it's because unless you get a really, really expensive rig that will like, it, it pushes you to one side. Um, it doesn't give you this like feedback of when your tires mm. are going to break, which is why you just slip and slide everywhere as you play, or at least I do. Yeah, I can't imagine doing it in because I, I don't have any kind of point of reference for driving even a right. supercar, much less an F1 car. Um, so I have zero point of reference for like, what does this feel like? But I can see how like, like my, my coworker, uh, Pat, just for uh, goofs and giggles, I was driving and he came up behind me and started shaking the chair. And it immediately was like, oh, my God, no. <laughs> but, like, that's technically more realistic, right? And more, then that, was, like, tactile gonna, feedback yeah. is part of it. <laughs> so if you ever go to Milan, and I think they have it in a couple other cities, too. But if you ever go to Milan, they have it inside, like, the Ferrari store. They have a thing. You can pay, like, $30 or something. And it has a, a simulator, a car simulator, and this game thing that is basically identical to what a real Ferrari F1 car would be oh, like. You get in it. God. <laughs> and it has feedback. And not only that, but it is, there are two modes. There's like one mode where like it's really what the driver's experience in terms of torque and force. And then there's like an easier mode. I had to use the easier mode. It was still hard as hell for me to turn the wheel and 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 do the shifting and whatnot. Like it it was like ridiculous. So if you ever have, they might have it in some other cities too, but those simulators, so worth the money. I mean, I was terrible at it, but it was really, really fun. I so. want that so badly. Um, I can't believe, not that I had plans to go to Milan anyway when I went to Italy this summer, but I am. <laughs> you sh- yeah, I, yeah, I was going to say, I just was going to say, because I, I think I'd to- be good at it. I just want to know. No, you want experience. No, I was going to say that for me was the thing. And I'm not even a car person, but I was like, and people have said, like, because they use it a lot of times for training facilities and stuff like that. Like, it's basically the closest you can get to actually being in a Formula One car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. All right. Uh, again, you can check that out at twitch.tv slash polygon, which is coincidentally where I am online, as well as Doom Quasar. It's social media everywhere. Brianna, where can we find you online? Uh, Brianna will on Twitter for now. Heck yeah. And Christina uh, uh film underscore girl on the twitters and the instagrams and you can find my uh video work at youtube.com slash github wonderful thank you so much everyone for listening to this episode of rocket if you are a boosty you're about to hear us chat about spotify rap season the happiest time of the year <laughs> um and thank you so much if you are not we super appreciate it anyway if you leave a review or share the podcast with a friend uh, who might be interested in hearing us in, in, in hearing who is our uh, highlighted good person of the week in tech. 
How fun. What a fun new segment we have. Come up with, we should come up with a jingle for it. Um, (laughs) We have such a successful history of coming up with jingles. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.